Uh, welcome, if you're new, I'm Philip, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's good to see you. And we, as a church, just if you are new, it's helpful for you to know, we are in the middle of quite a significant, I guess, kind of series really for us as a church family, looking at our vision effectively. Um, kind of saying, where do we feel God is taking us? What are we here to do? Who are we? What are the values that are going to underpin us as we go on that journey? And it's been um, a really good series. It's kind of coming a little bit to a bit of a, a conclusion this next week or two. And we've been saying that over and above all things, fundamentally, it's the conviction of the eldership team that the church is here to know God, to be known and loved, and to make God known. That we're here to know God and enjoy him and worship him, to know and love and support and encourage each other, and to make God known to our city, to our nation, and to our world. Hence the opportunity to partner with uh, John and Sophie in Istanbul Church Plant to uh, support their new church, which is wonderful. Now, there's a reason that making God known is the third component of that vision strap line, knowing God, being known and loved, making God known. Because as much as um, making God known is right at the heart of who we are, and we've said before that evangelism, that's not just kind of one thing that we tack on to who we are. Making God known to our city, to our nation, to our world is right at the heart of who we are. And at the same time, it's third for a reason. It's the third component for a reason because it cannot happen without the first two. In other words, we'll only be inspired and enabled to make God known if we are knowing God. The reason I want to talk about my wife Caroline and invite you to get to know her is because I love her. So the, the commendation of her comes from the knowledge of her. The making her known, if you like, comes from the loving of her. And secondly, we're only going to make God known effectively if we do so as the family of God, as, the, as brothers and sisters in Christ, one who build a family which we can be fully known and fully loved, where there's a, a space and a context and a culture in which anybody can find a seat at the table to ask their questions, bring their doubts and challenges, and if they wish to, to explore faith and to come to know God themselves. So the first two are contingent upon the third being uh, effective and being a reality. And what we've also been doing these last few weeks is just digging into some of the values beneath that vision strap line. And we've been saying that underneath the, the ambition, the aim, the aspiration to be a family more and more where we're known and loved, making God known and knowing God, that there are some values, or if you like, some vehicles that, that will take us along the way there. And conveniently enough, they all begin with E. And we've been saying we want to build a church more and more where we are passionate about exploring the word of God, exploring the gospel, exploring who God is. If Paul says that um, Jesus has unsurpassable, unsearchable riches to explore, then we're never going to tire of doing so. We've talked about being a people who encounter the presence and the person of God and a family who value being empowered. In fact, we're saying we cannot do the Christian life as Jesus intended without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the fourth and final E, the fourth and final value, is the value of engaging or being engaged, which might sound a bit more, um, just slightly more vague, so let me explain it like this. It is equally contingent upon the first three. So just as uh, making God known is contingent upon knowing God and being known and loved, engaging is contingent upon the first three because... If we are a family who are continually helping each other to explore God, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, Paul says in Ephesians 3.18, i.e. there's no end to the journey of exploring the love of God in Christ. If we're a family where we give ourselves to encountering the presence of God as a priority in the word of God, knowing that Jesus himself coming off the pages of scripture, if we're encountering God in our own personal times of worship and of prayer and of corporate times of worship, so if we're exploring, if we're encountering, and if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we said last Sunday evening, to, to, to cultivate uh, the fruit of our character, Christ-like fruits, if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to receive and to use supernatural gifts for the good of the church and the reaching of people, if we are exploring, if we are encountering, if we are being empowered, we will engage with our world lovingly and compassionately and wisely and boldly. And that's really what it means to engage, is to engage with the the town, the borough, the city, the nation, the world around us, lovingly and boldly. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. The verses should start to appear now. Uh, Jeremiah, Chris, chapter 29 and verse 7. God says, you will, as the people of God, you will seek the welfare of the city. 
That's right at the heart of what he wants the people of God to be about. Jesus uh, said that the prophecy in Isaiah was about him. He said in Luke 4:18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, as Isaiah said it would be 700 years before, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to engage with poverty and marginalization and impression in, uh, oppression in love and in power. And in Galatians 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul had this massive conversation with the other apostles about all kinds of contentious issues in the life of the church and different aspects of theology. And it comes to a conclusion by saying, only they asked us, Paul, to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So Paul's saying, all of these big discussions we had, it kind of, in some senses, it came down to this one thing. He said, just please, please make sure that as an authentic church family, you are engaged with poverty and with oppression and with marginalization and with injustice. It's right at the heart of what a church is intended to be. But it can't happen on its own. It comes as a consequence of knowing God. You make him known. It comes as a consequence of exploring, of encountering, and of being empowered by the Spirit to do the things that we can't do. And so this morning is about just setting some of the, both the foundations and the practicalities of what does it mean for us as a church family to do that to engage lovingly and with justice and mercy. Because many of you might say, okay, fine, if you're familiar with church, you've been part of this church, you might say, fine, I get this, of course. Churches should be engaged with poverty and injustice and bringing love and compassion and justice and so forth. But, but how? <laughs> and, and where? And where do I start? And what do we give ourselves to? Because there's no shortage of need and opportunities. So I'm just going to briefly, in the next five minutes, really, just explain the the lens, really, through which we're looking in order to know how we should engage like this. I, I kind of call it a prophetic lens, which sounds a bit of a sort of pompous phrase. It basically means, I think, the, 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 the way God wants us to see the world around us and how he wants us as a specific church family to engage with it. So if you're here visiting and you're brand new, I hope this will still bless you because we're going to hear lots of stories from other people. I'm going to speak for no more than five, six more minutes and then we'll have some other people coming up and just sharing the different ways that we're already looking to engage with our uh, community and our nation and our world. The prophetic lens, and I mentioned this before, but the prophetic lens that I believe, and we as an eldership team believe that God wants us to see these things through, is the lens of adoption. Because the, uh, as I've mentioned many times before, if you've been part of King's Church, adoption, or the Christian's adoption into the family of God, is in many ways the pinnacle of the gospel. It's the greatest thing, if you like, that Jesus' death and resurrection has done for us. And there are loads of ways I wanted to explain it. I could talk about it for ages, but I thought I'd just read to you what I wrote in the summer when I was just praying and working through some of these things. I, I just wrote this. It's nothing uh, particularly poetic or uh, profound. Well, it is profound because it's about the gospel. It goes like this. The gospel's gift of grace doesn't just match and neutralize sin, but it abounds, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, even more and bestows on us layer upon layer upon layer of grace. Through grace, we are forgiven despite being guilty. We're justified despite having no righteousness of our own. We're redeemed despite being enslaved to sin. We're reconciled to God despite our rebellion and enmity towards him. We're raised to a new life in the spirit and united to Jesus Christ, our, lavi- our savior, Lord and friend. Wow. Or as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. See what I mean about exploration? Paul never tires of gazing into the gospel. It just never tires of his exploration. He calls it an inexpressible gift. I haven't got the words, he says, to describe how marvelous it is. But there's more. Not only are we set free to live a new life in Christ by the Spirit, we are adopted into the very family of God as beloved sons and heirs to know the love of God the Father now and forever and indeed to inherit the most extraordinary fortune in the family, the new heavens and the new earth, ultimately. And what's more, I didn't stumble into this family by chance, or even by my own effort, or even because Jesus had to persuade the Father. No, remarkably, Father, Son, and Spirit made a choice, even before the creation of the universe, to do all it took to adopt me into the family of God. They, he, God, chose me and you. Therefore, 
he loves, accepts, approves of, and delights in me as father. Ephesians 1, verse 5 to 6, puts it like this. In love, he predestined, chose us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So if you agree with me, or if you agree with the Bible, that the gospel, the adoption is something of the pinnacle of the gospel, it's probably no surprise to say, or to see that in the book of James, in chapter one, verse 27, Given the lens of adoption that we're being encouraged to see the world through, James writes, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Like James, you're an apostle. Jesus is half-brother, you're planting churches, you're writing the Bible. What is Christianity ultimately about? And he says lots of things in his book. But he does say this, if we could have the next verse up, please, Chris. He does say this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, the second part of that statement is very important to not miss as well. The church of Jesus Christ will look very different to the world around it. It has to. If we've been freed from sin, then a world that is still in many ways broken by sin, we will look very different. If we're pursuing holiness, if we're obeying the, all the things that Jesus commands and exploring what that means to do every day, this will look very different to the world around us and we need to make sure that we pursue an unstained, holy, pure church in amidst all of the ups and downs and the messiness of it. But James is saying, you don't achieve that purity by hunkering down and withdrawing. He's saying you achieve it by engaging with the world around you. Specifically for him, when it comes to adopting, whether it be the young or the elderly. I could talk about this for ages, but I want to stop and hear from lots of other people. Because that's what we're going to do now. There's less of a formal uh, extended preach, if you like. And we're going to hear from different people in the church who, as in different ways, are already or are about to help us engage with the community and the nation and the world around us through this lens of adoption. And then you'll see it can work itself out in all kinds of different ways. And if you're already involved, then that's great. If you'd like to be involved, there are things that you can hear about as a way to be involved. But before I just invite... Uh, before I just show a short video, actually, I'm just going to pray. And I'm mindful that I think about 40 of you were doing some brilliant training this week about praying for each other, hearing the voice of God. And it's a pretty packed morning this morning in terms of just lots of exciting things happening. So there may not be a chance at the end to have an extended ministry time, but we can expect to hear God for each other now. And I'm just going to pray for that, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're present. We thank you that because of what Jesus did... We're not just forgiven. We're not just reconciled to you. We're not just free to live a, a, a life of purpose and purity, but we're, we're in your family. And if we're in Christ, we are a child of God, and we should expect to encounter you as a father and to hear from you. And so I pray, as we show videos, as we hear stories and testimonies in this next half an hour or so, would you speak to us would you put faith in the hearts of different ones of us, perhaps for a, a new venture? Would you increase faith where maybe it's gone a little bit? Would you speak to us for each other, maybe as these, these folks come and share about what they're doing? Would you give us words of knowledge and, and the prophetic and so forth for them, words of scripture for them to encourage and release them? We really ask you, God, to speak to us in these moments. Amen. Amen. So the first, if you like, ministry or initiative that we have to help us engage through the lens of adoption is through Home for Good, which is a brilliant charity that helps churches to think about what it might mean to not just visit the orphan, as James says, but to actually uh, bring about fostering and adoption. So we'll watch the video, and that will then just tee us up into the various different people that we're going to hear from.
I used to work with prisoners and ex-offenders and sadly many of the men and women that I came into contact with and came to know had experience of the care system. So many of them were children and young people who fell into one of these categories and became one of the statistics. They became a number which we often keep our distance from and which we often fear. But behind every number is a person, a person desperate to be known and loved. One of the first men that I ever worked with in the community was in his mid-40s and he had been in care since a young age, including spending time in a children's home. He got caught up in criminality and so moved from institution to institution. One winter when it snowed, he told me he had no memory of having been out of an institution in the snow. He'd never played in it. He had no recollection of snow other than from the confines of one of those institutions. With no basic life skills, he needed instruction on how to heat up a tin of soup for himself. And when Oyster Cards were introduced for travel in central London, he breached his probation because he didn't know how to use one, let alone get hold of it or use it. In crime, he found belonging and purpose. In prison, he found safety to study and exercise. And in society, he found addictions to escape from and process the painful experiences of life and loss. He is still in and out of prison, and I can't help but wonder how different his life could have been had he experienced a home for good. Would he have been equipped and supported to reach his potential? The kind, funny, curious, committed man that those of us who know him could see beyond the criminal record and addictions. Would he have found the belonging and boundaries that he needed to become all that he could be? He is one of the reasons that I work for Home For Good. I believe we can make a difference in the lives of people like him. The church can provide homes for good through fostering and adoption, where children's needs are met and where they are known and loved. But we're not promoting happily ever after. Things will still be tough. Opening our hearts and homes is an act of radical hospitality. It's a generous act of love that requires us to see the best in each other. And that love is hard. It costs us something. So we need to look to Jesus's example of sacrifice. The Bible tells us that God is love. And when that love transforms us from the inside out, we are better able to love others to see them how God sees them and to see God in who they are. It's amazing how powerful the experience of love, acceptance and belonging is to children and young people who have never experienced it. Children and young people are waiting. Could you stand with them and give them a hope and a future? Could you consider fostering or adoption? Would you stand with those you know who are already fostering or have adopted? Could you ensure that they are supported and welcomed in your church through the highs and the lows? And would you stand with us? Home for Good is a small charity with a massive vision. Could you help us to equip and inspire more churches to champion the cause for vulnerable children? Together, let's change the trajectory for looked after and care experienced children. Let's find a home for every child who needs one. Lots to ponder over even already, and we haven't even got going yet because there's lots of things already happening that are linked into this. Um, but it is wonderful to bring adoption and fostering, I think, front and centre. Uh, it's lovely to have Wendy. <laughs> if you cry, I'll cry. That's not fair. Uh, Wendy and Jason Lane, many of you know, adopted a little boy called Kai, which has uh, been a wonderful journey, hasn't it? <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> uh, but it's been hugely exciting to see that amidst us. Uh, so th God may be saying all kinds of things about, about this to you or to us, about what it might mean to engage with the world, if you like, explicitly through the, uh, the lens of fostering and adopting children in care. But there are also other ways 
of expressing this vision to engage through this lens that may, be, may work for different ones of us in different st- seasons and stages of life. And one of the things we've begun to do uh, more formally is to partner with a charity called Compassion, many of you will know, which helps us to do two things. It helps us to broaden our um, perspective into the, into the wider world. That we're not just thinking about Kingston and the UK, but we're thinking about the different corners of the earth. And it also helps us to engage specifically with poverty, and it also helps us to taste and touch the wonder of the gospel of adoption in a way that is different to actually physically and legally fostering or adopting children into your own home. Uh, And so we've recently partnered with Compassion. We have a project out in Nairobi where we have, I think as a church, been able to uh, adopt slash sponsor some, I think, 19 of the 25 children in that project, which has been brilliant. So I thought it'd be helpful just to hear a little bit of the -the on-the-ground experience, what it's like. So Ben and Rachel are going to join me as recent Compassion sponsors. Uh, I'm just going to ask them a couple of questions questions and be great to hear what it means uh, to partner with um, Compassion. So I guess Ben and Rachel, why don't you tell us why you got involved with Compassion in the first place? Sure. Um, I heard about Compassion about a year ago because the company that I work for, um, we had also partnered with them and we uh, are giving some of the proceeds from Christmas cards that we sell um, to Compassion. So I'd, I'd heard about Compassion about a year ago. And um, yeah, just when um, I saw the, the video that was showed um, earlier in the year about uh, Compassion, um, I think I was, I was challenged by uh, the opportunity that we have um, as individuals, as a church, to give these children really who are stuck in poverty, have have no real prospects really, um, to give them the opportunity to become, as we saw on the video, um, children who'd become um, lawyers or or teachers. Um, These are things that I suppose for us in the West, um, these are are normal opportunities for us. But when children are stuck in in the poverty that they're in, they don't really have those um, opportunities. And um, I think that was something that really challenged me. And I had been thinking about um, a charity that I'd like to support. And um, um, yeah, I, I, I sort of recognized that um, I, I'm in a, a good financial position, that um, I have the opportunity to um, help out. And um, yeah, what, what they were asking for, um, was, was not much really um, a month and, and most people really are in a position to afford um, the, the monthly payment that they're asking for. And um, the other thing that I think that was important for me in terms of looking for a charity was um, uh, a Christian charity because um, we know that um, not only providing for a children's spiritual, uh, sorry, physical needs, but also for their spiritual needs um, by sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And again, on the video, it was, it was lovely to see uh, children who'd become Christians and were so uh, grateful to compassion and to their sponsors as well. And um, yeah, I guess with, with that, uh, a verse came to mind about uh, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? It forfeits his own soul. And um, yeah, that, that again sort of was quite challenging to me. And mm. I think in terms of how kind of naturally we think of ourselves, uh, something that came to mind just this morning was um, when Jesus was on the cross and he spoke to one of his disciples and he said, um, you know, this is now your mother and this is your son, and he was talking about Mary, his mother. And just in that moment when, you know, you would expect Jesus to be thinking of himself and the position he was in, the pain, the suffering, and yet he was thinking about others, and I just found that quite challenging as well. Mm. Thank you, Ben. And Rachel, maybe you can tell us um, kind of maybe practically what does it involve to, yeah. to sponsor a, a child So I think we heard a bit on the video, and Ben has covered a couple of the points, but basically every month we give, I think it's 25 pounds, which again, as Ben said, it isn't much and, or, you know, sometimes that's a meal out if you're a couple or going out with friends, one, you know, one meal you could miss going out. So if it 
things are hard to afford. That's one way of um, sponsoring a child. But what I love about Compassion, I already actually sponsor a child with another charity. And for my own weaknesses, I often forget to write a letter or send a birthday card or Christmas card. But actually, Compassion is brilliant because they facilitate you to do that very easily. They send you a sort of template near the child's birthday or near Christmas where you can fill out you know, bits and pieces and then they make that into a Christmas card or a birthday card. So for people like me that get sort of too consumed with everything going on, that is brilliant. So yeah, we found that really helpful. And we've got the kids, um, I have two stepdaughters through marrying Ben and we've got them involved as well. So they've been writing to our little girl, Gracious, and it's just a good chance to explain to them about God's love and compassion for the poor and not just thinking about themselves, but to be generous and appreciate what they have. Mm. So. Wonderful, thank you. Maybe you could pray um, okay. for those of us who are sponsoring and, and for compassion in general and however you feel led, basically. Let's pray. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. We thank you that as Christians we've been adopted into your family. And we just pray that you'll give us um, your heart for um, people in less uh, fortunate positions to ourselves and those in need and poverty. And we thank you that you've given us so much wealth um, and um, we just pray that you'll help us to look for opportunities to share that wealth with others. And we thank you for the work that Compassion does. Mm. We thank you that um, they have looked to see where there's need and they've looked to provide um, and they teach um, they, they, um, and they also share the good news about Jesus and his love for them. And we just pray that you'll continue to um, bless their work. We pray that they will be able to provide for more children. And we pray that as a church that we might be challenged to look for opportunities where we can help out as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you both. Thank you, Philip. Say one more thing. Sorry, I'm being very cheeky. But I just was really encouraged that we've got 19 out of the 25 kids. So there's only six left. Wouldn't it be brilliant if, as a church, we could maybe today sponsor those remaining six children? So ask God if that's something he wants you to do. It would be fabulous. Sorry. Thank you very much. Um, there are uh, opportunity to write Christmas cards. So they're, they're up on the first floor, um, Pete and Jean have got some uh, Compassion Christmas cards. So those of us who do sponsor Compassion Children that haven't got organised yet, uh, the deadline is tomorrow and we can together, if you like, write some cards and just maybe share some stories after the service. At the Connect Point, there are opportunities to find out a bit more. Um, Rachel's idea is a great one, but actually the rest of the children in that project have already been sponsored. Um, but there's opportunities for plenty of other projects and plenty of other children around. So find out more afterwards, come write letters, chat to us, chat to Ben and Rachel, chat to Janine at the back. Um, more, more close to home, you wouldn't think there is uh, anything like the same need for children to be cared for, maybe in, in the borough of Kingston, but, but there is, if, if you look hard enough. And a number of years ago, um, Paul and I were approached uh, kind of out of the blue by a charity who wanted to start a new school um, to reach particularly children who were experiencing um, some degree of marginalization in this area and to help provide school places that were urgently required at the time. Uh, it's been a, quite an adventure since then, um, but the best way for us to find out more about it is to hear from uh, Louise, who's going to come and chat to us because she is on the ground uh, doing all kinds of exciting things with this school, because we, we have a school. It's called Kingston Community School, and Louise is going to tell us a bit more about that. Um, so other than the initial partnership that, that got going, why have we continued to partner with the school and what does that look like? Okay, so um, as I was thinking about this, I was going to um, tell you lots of individual stories and things like that, but then I realised that there's probably a lot of you here who haven't got a clue about some of the things um, that we've been doing. So we've been partnered with Kingston Community School um, since um, before it started, so some of you will remember um, helping out with doing questionnaires and things like that back years ago to see if there was a need for the school. And then 
since then, we've had such a privilege to be involved in the school. So I'm just going to tell you a few of the things that we do and then tell you some ways that you can get involved um, with the school. So some things that we do is that we go in and do assemblies. So um, Philip's been in to do some assemblies and Heather's been in to do some assemblies and Carly and Anna and lots of other people have been in to do assemblies, which is such an opportunity to go in and um, present a Bible story to the children. And um, we had some examples where Heather was doing a story about um, talking about Samuel hearing from God. And then the next week at Blaze, um, one of the children came to us and said, I tried that thing you suggested. And children had gone home and prayed and said that they heard God speak to their heart um, as a result of the assembly, um, which is so exciting. Um, so that's one thing that we do. We go in and we do assemblies. Um, as a result of doing those assemblies, um, we built up good relationships with people in the school. And um, I approached the school... Um, over two years ago now to find out about the possibility of doing an after-school club and we trialled it for six weeks um, in a summer term and since then we've not stopped doing it so we've been um, running um, Blaze, an after-school club um, every Thursday um, for an hour after school and you can see some photos up there of um, some bits from um, the club so here we did some prayer stations where they went around um, praying and at this after-school club we get um, around 18 children each term, um, some the same children, some different children, and it's such a privilege. So um, Heather comes and Anne Bird, um, they are absolute heroes at helping um, with the club. Heather's storytelling is incredible. You should come just to hear that. Um, and what is what I really think is amazing about doing um, the Blaze After School Club is the opportunity um, to go through Bible stories with the children and sing songs. And these are children who don't really know anything about God and they come excited to find out the next thing. So we'll play um, lots of fun games with them. But actually, we find that the part that they're engaged in the most, more often than not, is the Bible story and the singing of songs. They really enjoy um, craft and games and things like that as well. But they really look forward to that. And um, we have children saying it's a highlight of their week and things like that, which is really exciting. Um, and then as a result of doing the um, Blaze After School Club, we thought, well, what else could we do here? Um, so I had a meeting um, with the school and suggested doing a holiday club. So last uh, May half term, um, we had the opportunity to do a two morning holiday club at the school, um, which was um, such um, a privilege to be able to do, to be able to involve children from the school and children um, from church and children from the local community and lots of you as well, um, getting involved with that and again you can see some photos there of um, highlights of the holiday club of children singing children doing parachute games and it meant that we got another link between um, the school and church and then as a result of that um, we did a summer party here in July um, where families from the school were able to come along to the summer party and then in October we went bowling and families again from the school came bowling and we were talking about the carol service and we had um, um, families straight away saying, yeah, we remember last year's carol service and we want to come. So um, these are just a, a few ways that we're involved in the school. Um, do you want me to just carry on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so some ways that you can um, get involved. First of all, um, lots of you are involved without necessarily knowing that you're involved. So those of you who give financially to the church, thank you for that, because the way that you give means that we can run um, the Blaze Club after school, we can run the holiday club, we can do summer parties, we can do all these different things because you're giving financially to the church. So I want to say a huge thank you for that because it means that we're resourced to be able to do these things we also um, give out at Christmas and Easter um, books and gifts to the children, which the children really value. We've had children coming along to Blaze showing us their collection of books that they've had over the past few Christmases and Easters, and um, they really enjoy receiving those books. So thank you for giving. Um, some ways that you can get involved are you can pray. You can pray about the things that we're doing. You can pray for the school. I know as a teacher myself that to know that people were praying for the school that I work in in Felton would be amazing if I knew that there were people in local churches praying. So just praying for that school and for those children um, is really valuable. And then you can get involved practically. And some ways you can get involved practically are you could come and join the Blaze team on a Thursday after school. That doesn't mean you need to do every week. You could just do some weeks. Um, 
hot off the press is that we're going to be doing a holiday club in February half term so you could come and join the team for that so that's going to be on the Wednesday and Thursday morning of February half term so you could come and join the team for that and also the school are often looking for people to just do things like um, volunteer by reading with the children volunteer by helping out with one-off events and things like that so if you're someone who thinks actually I could go and do some of those things then come and talk to me talk to Heather and we can point you in the right direction for those things. Amazing. Thank you so much, Louise. And, uh, and thank you too to, to Paul and to Catherine who are on the Board of Governors with the school and do a huge amount of under the behind the scenes work to make this school more and more successful into the, into the future. So lots to hear about, lots to engage, lots to engage in. Um, you, may have heard on, you may have caught on the Home for Good video. I'm sure you did connect. Uh, part of the message was that part of the wonder of fostering and, and adopting children is it reduces the statistics of, of the prison population and of the homeless population. And just began to I think, help us to realize the different ways that having a lens of adoption can work itself out. And for a number of years, we have been supporting the Joel Community Night Shelter to engage with the problem of homelessness. And so I wanted to ask Tim and Hannah, who I haven't yet seen this morning, phew, they are, they are here, um, just to come and tell us a bit about what it means. These guys have been so brilliant and faithful in serving the night shelter, and I want to hear a bit more about it from them. So what is it and how did you get involved? Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Joel Community Project is basically a, I guess, semi-permanent um, residence for people who are homeless. Um, provides food, shelter, accommodation for as long as um, they need, really, until they can get a permanent job and accommodation. Um, yeah, and we got involved as a life group uh, several years ago now, um, and we've just kept going, really. Yeah. I just say is to, to link it to the home thing. It's actually about providing a home for people. It's not just a shelter where people turn up for one night and then kicked out. The whole process is you get referred into the scheme. There are disciplines and rules, so it actually helps people structure their lives. If they have alcohol or substance misuse, they have to agree to to come off that and work through with the scheme. So it's very much about providing a home rather than just meeting one need, which I think is really good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and tell us a bit more about maybe some of the. Like what's, what's an evening like? What, is it, what happens on an evening and how do we bring something of the love of God to the, to the men that you see on the evening? Uh, yeah, so an evening is fairly straightforward. Um, we turn up about quarter past six, um, open the doors um, and cook for people basically. Um, and it's, again, being a home, they have the privilege of being um, on a rotor, so they have responsibility for stuff as well. So it's about also being humble and being served by them as well as you serving them, uh, which I think is actually really good. Is there anything you want to? How could some of us get involved if we wish to? Um, yeah, I mean, what called me initially to it, I think, is a verse in Matthew, um, where actually at the end of eternity, people are going into heaven and Jesus is judging. And he goes, actually, you clothed me, you fed me, and you watered me. And it actually made me think, how am I doing that for Jesus? It doesn't have to be through Joel, but it's a good question to ask yourself. Mm. So um, praying yourself about how you serve Jesus on this earth. Are you serving the poor? Are you looking after those? I just think it's a fantastic way to worship God. You go there and you, you look after Jesus effectively, is what he's saying mm. there, which is a fantastic mm. opportunity. Um, so yeah, praying for that, how you do that personally. Um, praying for the Joel's project. There are tricky nights. Um, there are good nights. Um, there are nights where for example, Pete Hamilton plays music, and that's fantastic. And they remember him next time. He's quite a comedian, so he's bringing the joy of God into that situation. Um, but there's also nights where people, um, so there's one night where someone was feeling quite suicidal and down, and just being able to support them. Um, I mean, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not saying I do, but being able to pray for them and text Life Group and say, actually, can you pray? We've got a tough situation. It's just a privilege because the other people that serve there aren't always Christians either. So it's because it's a community, if you're an ex-guest, you can be serving there too. Um, so yeah, pray for what you do yourself. Pray for the shelter. Um, and what was the third thing I was going to say? What's the commitment like if you do join the, the team on a... Uh, I mean, we have quite a number of people who volunteer um, as part of our shift. Um, 
really whenever they want to. Um, what we really hope is that we can get more shift leaders. So only Tim and I lead a shift um, at the moment, but if we can have more shift leaders, then hopefully we can support the project more. So if, if you'd like to get involved, that'd be great. If you want to volunteer, you can come and shadow. Um, if you can cook, um, that's great because we're always looking for people who can provide a meal because that helps us help them more easily. Um, do you want to? I was just going to say, so um, Liz cooked a meal and they've been talking about it for months <laughs> afterwards. So <laughs> if, you, if you are a good cook... I, then, cooked, uh, I cooked a meal. No one's been talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> they appreciate it, but yes. <laughs> Nothing beats Liz's cooking. So no, if you are a good cook, they do actually me. appreciate it and remember it a month later. So it's quite an achievement to remember a meal a month later, I think. But yeah. So cooking, praying, volunteering. Yep. Sound like three good options. Yep. Who, who already is involved with Joel in any, any way? Who's... Because there are people, maybe they're just not here this evening. Maybe not here there are a good 15 people. Right. Andrew Brand is fantastic as well. He does night shelter. So if, if anyone's... Andrew's fantastic. He does overnight and then goes to work on a Monday. So it's doable. Um, and you can sleep there. Just not the best night's sleep you've ever had. Um, so, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Can we give these guys a round of applause? Thank you for all you're doing. So uh, this, is, this is as much about just celebrating, I think, and, and thanking people and, and honouring God for what he's already doing amongst us as it is about what we should do more of. It's as much about saying, wow, look at what this you know, pretty small family of, of people is already involved in, and a huge well done to those of you who are leading us so brilliantly. Um, fifthly and finally, but by no means leastly, lots of these things have already been bubbling away, but there are some new ideas bubbling away. You'll remember that in James chapter 1, verse 27, James says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And for a while, we wanted to yeah, bring about more smiles, as it were, upon the faces of the elderly, because there is a particular place in the heart of God for the elderly. If you see through the superscripture, God often talks specifically about the widow, for example, and the honor and the care that he expects to be taken over those that are elderly. And so it's been wonderful to hear of Anna Stewart. Anna, come and join me. Um, Anna's been just bubbling with this stuff for a long time and working so hard uh, to... You wanted to stand, didn't you? Uh, working so hard to... Um, get us moving in this direction. And so she's going to tell us a bit more about all things elderberries, and specifically, yeah, what is elderberries, and I suppose where did okay. it come from, and, and how can we get involved? Okay, so um, elderberries is a name we came up with, which um, everyone, we kind of voted on it, basically. It's a good name. Um, it's basically an older people's project. Um, it's for men and women aged 60 and upwards. Um, uh, we're going to be starting on the 8th of January, so it's very exciting, and we are going to be meeting in Surbiton um, every fortnight on a Tuesday morning. So we're going to be running all sorts of um, activities. We're going to have cinema, cooking, fitness, talks, outings, quizzes and games, and parties and stuff like that. Um, the group was basically set up because I could see the massive impact of loneliness on old people. And it's not just old people, it's everyone. Old, young people have this issue as well. Um, it's not, you know, for everyone. Um, and basically it's made much worse if people are, have been recently bereaved or if they're from minority groups or they have mental health issues or disadvantaged backgrounds, something like that. So I realised that loneliness had a very detrimental effect on people. Um, it can even, you know, it's kind of comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, you know, and it reduces your life expectancy. So I wanted to set up a group that would um, both encompass fun activities and friendship with the underlying message of God's love as well. So we've got quite a few um, themes to Elderbearers, really. I wanted it to be a place where people can really connect with their community, where they hadn't before, probably, um, where they can feel loved and accepted, and a place where people can really feel empowered um, to change their own lives, but most importantly, where they have the opportunity to come to know Jesus, perhaps for the first time. Um, Sorry. Um, okay, so some ideas to reduce loneliness were really about connecting people from different generations. So the whole idea about intergenerational friendships. So I was thinking about having a, a befriending scheme that we'd set up and also inviting mums and babies to come along to our elderberries. 
Um, also, volunteering has a very positive impact on people. So we're going to be promoting that as well in our group. Um, I feel sometimes older people can feel kind of sidelined and marginalised, really, um, when they retire because they don't have a role anymore. Um, so volunteering can give them back that sense of purpose. Also, volunteering within the group I'd like to see as well. So empowering the people to take on very active roles in the sessions, helping with teas and coffees, helping run the activities, run, doing talks and stuff like that, helping with fundraising and helping to run our community meetings as well. So we're hoping to have community meetings where they can decide what they want to see happen in the group. So it's very much from them. So how can you get involved? Well, what I'd love more than anything is for the whole church to feel that they can get involved in, the, in Elderberries. There's so many ways to get involved. Even if you work full-time, you can still, can still help out. So the three main ways to get involved are firstly through prayer, secondly through financial giving, and thirdly through volunteering of your time and your talents. So the first one... <clears throat> prayer. We need prayer that people will come along to Elderberries in the first place. Um, we need um, volunteers as well. Um, prayer that, that Elderberries will flourish and grow. We need prayer that these people will come to know God's love as well through coming to church. So coming along with the volunteers, that's the idea. Secondly, giving financially. So this can be through one-off donations or it can be through regular giving as well. But any donations would be really gratefully received. Um, we've re received um, funding through a new initiatives grant, which is um, <clears throat> a one-off grant, and you just get it for the year. But we will have ongoing expenses such as venue hire and transport and refreshment, stuff like that. Um, I'd also like to do a kind of secret Santa idea for the old people. So if anyone could give like a £5 note, you know, fiver, um, and help out with Christmas and birthday presents, that would be really lovely. And the third way is through volunteering. Most, many of you are self-employed or work part-time, so you could possibly come along and do a talk or an activity. That would be amazing. Also, as we talked about before, um, the mums and babies, if you could spare literally um, an hour every month, that's all it would be, to come along and have a chat with the old people, have a cup of tea and some cake, that would be really great. Um, Another way to help it would be through fundraising. We're going to have three main fundraising activities throughout the year. And the first one is going to be a wartime tea dance that we're arranging. So Abby has helped, um, she, it was her idea actually, to, to do the dancing. So she's going to be doing ballroom dancing, I think. I don't know what kind of dancing it is. Um, but we're also going to have a cream tea and a raffle. So if anyone would like to get involved in that, that would be fantastic. So um, that would be kind of helping with decorations, helping with uh, raffle prizes and what have you, music. Um, yes, yeah, so I think that's it now. Thank you very much. That's fantastic. Thank you, Anna. It's brilliant. I, I meant to pray after each of these different components. We, we started off doing that, and then we forgot to do that. Apologies. But um, it would be good to have a moment of just a prayer and reflection now, I suppose. If you're anything like me, your probably brain is just sort of spinning with all the various different things that are happening. And again, I just want to commend you guys for your desire to do this, to engage with the world around us with love and compassion, with mercy and with justice. Uh, I think it's helpful for us as a church to say these are the things that we're going to focus on and give our time and attention to. So we probably won't be starting anything else in the in the near to short term future. These will be the things that you will hear about that we'll put before you. doesn't mean you're not totally free to do all kinds of things as, as that God might lead you, but as a church family, these are the areas that we will bring to you as we look to engage through the lens of adoption. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for these various things, and I'm also going to pray that God would speak to us again in these last few moments and, and help us to know what our part to play is. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for for this church. I thank you so much for uh, the passion that has been in this church since it was founded 25 years ago almost to, to, to love Kingston, uh, to be a blessing to the city, uh, for your fatherly heart to, to, to seep out into the town, the city, the nation, the world. We thank you for helping us to see where we, as best we know it, where you're leading us to give our, our time and our talents and our treasure. Uh, we thank you for these different areas. We pray for the children that are being sponsored in compassion. We pray for their blessing, for them to prosper, for them ultimately to come to know you.
We pray uh, for Kingston Community School and all that's happening there. Pray for these precious children. They would flourish in that school. They would do so well. We pray for uh, a new building a new building to be found soon. We pray for the head teacher. We pray for the whole school to flourish and for children ultimately to begin to see what it might be to explore you for themselves. We pray for the night shelter, for these, these men that have found such hard times. Uh, and we pray for, for this shelter to be a place of home, as Tim said, for the hospitality of God to be at work, for broken people to find healing uh, and restoration. We pray for, for elderberries as Anna begins this wonderful initiative. And we pray uh, for the widow, as it were, for the, for the elderly person that, God, you love so much. And we pray for friendship and for community and for loneliness to flee and for the love of God to be made known to these precious, precious elderly people. We ask for your blessing and your favor, God. We pray do more than we could ever do. We need the Holy Spirit. So we say, Spirit of God, come and empower us as a church family to be generous with our finances, to be generous and careful with our time, to give us more than we could ever do. Make our resources go further, Holy Spirit. Give us gifts that we can use for the extension of your kingdom. Thank you, God. And I do pray, Spirit of God, in these last few moments, would you continue to be at work and would you give us faith for what you are calling us to? I thank you so much that you don't call us to hectic, frantic works. You call us to bear fruit and you empower us to bear fruit. So for each one of us, according to the grace upon us, the gifts that you've given us, where we are in life at the moment, would you help us to know how can we play our part and engage with the world around us that it might taste something of the adopting heart of God. Please speak in these moments, God. And so God, I pray for great conversations in these coming days, mainly between you and us. <laughs> I pray for great times with you, God, that we would encounter you, that as we've said, making you known would come from knowing you. So I pray for great times of knowing you in, in the quiet place and in life groups in these coming weeks, and that all that we give ourselves to would come from knowing you, from encountering you, from being freshly empowered by your spirit. I pray you be with us this week in all that you give us to. pray for a great hour or so now as we celebrate uh, these two wonderful children into the Harris and Rodriguez family. God, we want to celebrate with those that celebrate. I pray we'd write great letters to children who are being sponsored by Compassion. I pray we would be full of the Spirit and able to, to grab each other and pray and prophesy over each other in the, in the hubbub of this next hour or so. Lord, be with all of us, we pray. Go into this week with us that we might extend your kingdom. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty, beautiful name. Amen. Amen.